Hey, what's up, guys? Hello, and welcome to episode 55 of the Ford Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to be recapping last night's Thursday night football matchup and then previewing the entire week six slate of NFL games. Let's get right on into it. All right, starting off with last night's game, another super exciting Thursday night football game. Um, the Commanders at the Bears. The Commanders winning 12-7. to uh, I did have the Bears winning just when I thought the Bears were turning a corner offensively. This happened. <laughs> to be fair, they did try to like open it up a bit more for Fields. He had 42 dropbacks. The problem, though, is he only attempted 27 throws, either scrambling 10 times or getting sacked five times. Obviously, it's not all on him, but he's got to find a way to get the ball out of his hands and into his playmaker's hands a lot faster. He had an average time to throw of 3.63 seconds, which is like three seconds is bad. <laughs> this is almost four. Like, that's ridiculous. For the commanders, they confused me on offense. I was correct that the Bears would be able to slow them down and defend against Wentz. He only had 99 yards, zero touchdowns, but also zero picks. But I was wrong on how they would get to him. Despite sacking Wentz three times, he was only under pressure a total of five times. Wentz just like folded when the pressure arrived, I guess. Um, this Bears secondary played great to counter that, though, with Jalen Johnson coming back this week and Kyler Gordon and Kendall Vildor playing pretty well. They could have a pretty decent corner trio there. And then the commander's defense, though, really went off. Monta Sweat and Jonathan Allen combined for 15 pressures and two sacks and had a bad ball interception. They were the reason why Justin Fields was running for his life all day and unable to see if any of his receivers were getting open and holding on to the ball for way too long. I'm not going to say I was wrong about the commander's defense as like if you've been listening, I have been very, very low on them so far this year because they did just like shut down the Bears. So I want to see them shut down some real offenses. And if they start doing that and get similar efforts consistently, then that would be huge for the squad. All right, so moving into Sunday slate of games. No international game this week, so I don't have to wake up at 6.30 a.m. That's amazing. Um, we have Jets at Packers, the first game I'm going to cover. Packers are going to be 7.5-point favorites in this one. I'm really torn on this game. On one hand, I really like the way the young talent on the Jets has looked these past couple of weeks. I think Zach Wilson is legit and could start making his way into the top 10 quarterback conversation by the end of the year. Like, to be clear, he's not there yet, but he has the potential. And then Sauce and Hall, they both have top five at their position potential by the end of the season alone. Like, they look freaking incredible. They're already studs. And overall, like, I like the direction this team's going in. But And then on the other hand, I feel like the Packers are heading in the opposite direction. Rodgers isn't getting any younger. This passing attack is inconsistent at best. And these receivers are going to face two of the best corners in the league. And this O-line and running game, it hasn't been as dominant as I thought. Like, I thought they'd be able to compensate the passing game with the running game, but that hasn't happened so far. Also, this defense may be the single most disappointing unit in all of football. I thought they'd be easy top three, but... They've had pretty terrible run defense and refuse to run man coverage even when they have the clear upper hand in DB wide receiver matchup like last week. However, I still feel like this should be a bounce back week for the Packers. Uh, they feel like sleeping giants for me. Like they're just going to explode sometime soon. And yeah, I thought the same thing last week. So I'm very, very hesitant. But I still think the Packers will win, although I am going to pick the Jets to cover that seven and a half point spread. 
Then we have the Buccaneers, who are eight-point favorites going to Pittsburgh facing the Steelers. I honestly don't know what to make of the Steelers' offense. Pickett looks good, despite only putting up three points last week and then throwing three picks in the first half or second half of um, the game before. Pickens, Johnson, and Claypool, they all have traits to be elite wide receiver trio. This offensive line is playing much better than expected, at least in pass protection. And Najee was a beast in year one, but has so far been disappointing in year two. Just not all the pieces just aren't coming together. Like you individually, I like them, but whether it's play calling, offensive coordinator, coaching, whatever, it just, it's not working. And I can't, I, I feel like it's just like something that's a matter of time going to start working soon. For the Bucks, it's kind of the same boat. On paper, this offense should work with Brady at the helm, Lenny playing well at running back, Godwin and Evans, they're a great duo. And they've been sprinkling in Gage, and hopefully hopefully Julio will come back soon. Um, but it still hasn't been what we've been expecting based off of the last couple years. Defensively, though, that's where the Bucks bring the upper hand. Um, they've lived up to their billing, while I feel like the Steelers have been disappointing without T.J. Watt. I think Levi Wallace, he's definitely exceeded my expectations this season. But on the other end, I'm disappointed by Ekela Witherspoon, the other corner. Ultimately, I think Pickett has to break out soon. And I think he will have his best game, at least production-wise, this week. And the Seals will be able to cover this eight-point spread, but I do have the Bucks winning. Then the Niners are five-point favorites going on to face the Falcons. The Niners' offense had their best game last week against the Panthers. Jimmy looks more comfortable now than he has had for the, like, I thought he has had a couple of weeks to settle back in. And this rushing attack led by Jeff Wilson and Tevin Coleman was firing on all cylinders. And then on the opposite end, this Falcons offense has been dominant on the ground game up until last week. They were still able to put up a good 151 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but most of the production came from Mariota, putting up 61 yards, with Tyler Algier having most carries with 13, but only 45 yards off of that and zero catches. This Falcons team isn't really built to win right now. But if they are going to win, it's going to be through the ground game. And I'm worried that facing the Niners, that's really just not going to happen. However, it is possible the Falcons try to take advantage of the Niners' injuries in the secondary. Um, Drake London and Kyle Pitts are stud young receivers slash tight end-ish. Um, the Niners were expecting to get Jimmy Ward back last week, but he broke his hand on the opening kickoff. And then Emmanuel Mosley tore his ACL late in the game last week. So... They could try to pick on rookie fifth-rounder Samuel Warmack. Um, Gibson, he's been playing pretty well in place of Ward, so I don't think, like, like he's been there all year. Like, it's not, it's just disappointing that they couldn't get Ward back. But they could try to line up, get um, Lennon in some favorable matchups with the rookie. But I still think the Niners are going to be able to cover and win. Then we have the Ravens, five-and-a-half-point favorites, going on to face the New York Giants. So what do we make of the New York Giants? On paper, they're bad. Daniel Jones is a below-average starting quarterback, somewhere around like 20th, I'd say. Saquon's amazing, but a running back only gets you so far. And their wide receiver core is decimated by injuries. And even when healthy, a combination of Kadarius Tony, uh, Kenny Galladay, and Wondell Robinson aren't exactly world beaters. And then defensively, it's just full of guys who's been average so far at best, like Adore Jackson, Tay Crowder, Fabian Moreau, playing some of their best ball. And young studs like Dexter Lawrence, Xavier McKinney, and Kayvon Thibodeau playing up to their potential. Honestly, I don't know if they're a good team. And 
like Brian Dable, is he just like maximizing these players and is this going to be sustainable or is this success unsustainable and they're bound to like regress back towards the mean? For the Ravens, I feel like they've been the opposite. Up until last week, this defense has been majorly disappointing to me. They then held Josh Allen to 23 points and Joe Burrow to 17, so I feel like they're going to be just fine on that side of the ball. The JPP signing has been much more impactful than I thought it would be. He's looking excellent as both a rusher and a run stuffer. And in the secondary, it looks like Pepe Williams is solving their cornerback three problems. They're going to have to replace Marcus Williams, who went on IR last week. Um, So hopefully rookie Kyle Hamilton will be able to step up to the task. But as I said before, this Giants passing attack isn't like crazy, so I'm not too worried about that. I'm a bit worried about the Ravens offense, though. As I have said before, they seem so close to being amazing. Lamar is Lamar. He's a great thrower and runner over the football. He had a couple of accuracy hiccups this past week, but that was more of like a weird blip in the radar thing than what is normally like normal for him. Andrews is a top three tight end. Bateman and Duvernay have both shown some impressive potential. And so line he's a bit beat up, but they do have Stanley back, hopefully full this week, not having to split reps. I think they'll self-correct eventually and unlock what this offense can be soon, but this Giants defense has been far from a pushover, and if anyone knows how to counter Lamar, it's going to be former Ravens defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. I think the Giants continue to shock the world, get another cover, and win this game. Another upset victory. Then we have the Vikings, three and a half point favorites, going on to face the Dolphins. The Vikings started off red hot last week against the Bears, but then stalled and ended up going down 22 to 21 after having a 21 to 3 lead. If they can keep their foot on the pedal, they should be fine. Um, but yeah, however, the Dolphins they did show a lot of fight last week with third string quarterback Skylar Thompson, rookie seventh round pick. He's slated to start again this week, and it's not like he was necessarily like good going 19 for 33, 166 yards and a pick. But they were competitive with him. Um, the game was 17 to 19 in the fourth quarter last week before the Jets really pulled away. The Dolphins' defense will be the one who needs to step up this game and uh, give them the chance to win. When Justin Jefferson was taken away last week, the Vikings' offense really stalled, and then they got Jefferson going again, and they got the game-winning touchdown. I don't know if they'll have the personnel, though the Dolphins at least, to slow down him. With Xavier Howard, he's questionable right now, and Byron Jones looks to be out once again. I just don't see the Dolphins being able to do enough defensively to slow him down, along with having to deal with Cook, for Skyler Thompson to be able to lead this offense to enough points to win. So I'm going to pick the Vikings to both cover and win. For the Bengals, they're two-point favorites at the Saints. Um, This year, the heavily praised Bengals offense has scored 17 points in two games. 20 points in one game, and then 27 points in two others. The explosive plays that became regulars in last year's Bengals offense have become few and far between, with a 33-yard ball to Mike Thomas being the only play over 20 yards for the Bengals last week. Higgins is still being held out of practice, and Chase has not really been the same this year, while on the opposite side, Marshall Lattimore has been incredible and could cause him quite a few problems. For the Saints, it looks like it's going to be another week without Winston, with which means another week with Dalton at the helm. Also, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Deontay Hardy have all not practiced this week, while Chris Olave has been limited. So it's looking like the Saints offense is just not going to have the pieces to compete. 
And the Bengals have a pretty good defense, which could really take advantage of the Saints' current situation. Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard have been a great edge duo this season, and these corners have been good enough with like the pressure forcing the ball out fast. So despite the Bengals not really being what we thought they'd be offensively, I still think they're going to be able to cover and win. Then we have the Patriots at the Browns, the Browns being two and a half point favorites. Mac Jones has a good chance to play this week, and if he does, will Matt Patricia and this Patriots offense make things easy on him the same way they've been doing for Zappi these past few weeks? Obviously, they would be able to put on more, like put more on Jones' plate versus Zappi's, but I feel like early on they were trying to really overcomplicate things, while these last two weeks they went back to the good old like power football basic way of Patriots. Um, and then for the Browns, they've had a really weird start to the season. They barely beat the Panthers, blew a big lead against the Jets, beat the Steelers, and then barely lost to the Falcons and Chargers. Um, they've relied on their ground game, which has been excelling with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And when they turn to Brissett, he's been good for most of the game, but he's made a couple crucial interceptions at the ends of each of these losses. And Belichick is the master of forcing these mistakes out of opposing quarterbacks. Matthew Judon has had an amazing season for the Patriots and could be a key piece in throwing off the Browns passing attack. However, the Browns right tackle or Jack Conklin, um, he's only allowed one pressure in three games that he's played this year. I want to see, is Judon going to get shut out against Conklin? And if he does, will Belichick like deploy him and counter him in different ways, like on the opposite side or like try to rush him up the middle, stuff like that. Um, I do think, though, that the Browns are going to do just enough on the ground game. And whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, I feel like they're just going to have problems like this Patriots offense isn't trustworthy for me right now so I think the Browns will be able to cover and win. Then we have the Jags at the Colts, the Colts being two-point favorites. The Colts are coming off a game where they did not leave until overtime and then scored zero touchdowns and still won. I have no idea how that's possible but it is. Matt Ryan has become a turnover machine, this offensive line is in shambles, Jonathan Taylor is hurt, and their weapons are mediocre at best. But if you do want to look on the bright side, there's a chance Taylor comes back this week and rookie receiver Alec Pierce and rookie tight end Jelani Woods have been stepping up as pass catchers. For the Jags, their last game was even worse. They only scored two field goals instead of the Colts four and they gave up a touchdown instead of a third field goal. And they lost to the only winless team remaining, the Texans. Like what happened, man? Since they were up 14-0 on the Eagles and seemed to be on top of the world, they just came crashing down. Trevor Lawrence has seven turnovers these past two weeks with overthrows left and right, all those fumbles in the rain, and that pick that he sent straight to Singley. His early season play was a big reason why the Jags were such an exciting team, but they aren't talented enough to win if he keeps playing like this. This pass rush also fell apart which looked like it was really exciting with Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker at the beginning of the year. But this past week, Arden Key was the only edge player with multiple pressures. And then Devon Hamilton was the only like regular pass rushing defensive lineman to have multiple pressures. As Devin Lloyd and Foyside Aluokun, they also had two each, but off of like blitzes from their linebacker position. Um, however, if there is anyone to get right against like any offensive line, Oddly enough, it's the Colts. Like, this Colts offensive line is just not good. Like, like, they went from one of the worst, they built it up, got to one of the best offensive lines, and now it's back to being one of the worst. I think the Jags are able to complete the sweep here, um, covering that two-point spread and flat-out winning. Then we have the Panthers at the Rams. The Rams as 10-point favorites. 
how are the Panthers going to look this week without Matt Rule? Like, this is their first week since he's been fired, him and Phil Snow. Um, sometimes we see players get a lot better in the first game without their coach. Like, they got some sort of monkey off their back. But it seemed like they really got the guys were really buying into Matt Rule um, based off of, like, an interview I saw with Brian Burns. Like, and everything I've heard about Rule is, like, he's a very likable guy. So how, how are they going to feel now that he's gone? And then defensively, I thought they were good outside of last week against the Niners. Um, they have a lot of up-and-coming talent on that side of the ball, and I'm really shocked that they did let Phil Snow go. I thought he was like doing a good job with the pieces he had. Um, I wonder if they're going to really end up regretting that decision, honestly. For the Rams, though, I don't think that their play can justify a 10-point spread, at least offensively. Defensively, they've been good bit hit or miss early on but i think they should be able to hold the panthers to a low score i just don't really trust their offense especially their offensive line brian burns could absolutely tee off this week and this game can be a lot closer than that 10 point spread is hinting at so i think the rams will end up winning but the panthers are still going to cover then we have the cardinals two and a half point favorites at the seahawks geno smith is the mvp candidate with the way he's playing right now I did not think I'd be saying this, but if he keeps up this level of play while leading the Seahawks to the playoffs, I think he absolutely deserves to be in the mix. Those two, those to lock it for touchdowns were absolutely beautiful, and he showed some great like pocket mobility on his throw to Metcalf to who and all throughout the season. I think like a flip really switched for him against the Falcons, where he kind of just learned to let loose, and then the next couple of weeks he learned like because that Falcons game he had a bunch of balls that should have been picked off he learned from that reeled those in and against the lions he's was able to completely rewrite his story in the nfl and kept it up last week against the saints for the cardinals this will be the last week they have to survive without dhop and they get to face the seahawks defense which has been not too good to say the least like yeah they have some exciting young players like Tariq woolen and kobe bryant but i'm expecting this cardinals offense to start heating up a bit this week before potentially taking off next week with the addition of D-Hop. You do have to look out, though, because Call of Duty is releasing soon, and we all know how Kyra's play happens after that. As I also kind of alluded to earlier, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair, and I think the Seahawks will get the upper hand here. Um, at this point, I trust Geno to not make mistakes more than I trust Kyler, and while Woolen, he's been prone to some mistakes, um, he gets grabby, and we'll probably give up a PI or a hold or something this game. He's shown some like amazing like ability to jump route, read routes in zone, and some great ball skills and could make a difference late in this game with a key like pass breakup or turnover. I think the Seahawks are gonna be able to cover and win this. Then we have the Bills, two and a half point favorites at the Chiefs. This is game of the year potential right here. If only this was in prime time though. The Bills have looked absolutely unstoppable three out of five weeks so far, and pulled off an impressive comeback against the Ravens a couple weeks back. Josh Allen should be the MVP favorite. Gabe Davis is out here putting up Randy Moss stat lines. Diggs is a beast, as we know, and they're getting Shakir more involved, too. And then defensively, I think Vaughn Miller, Greg Rousseau, and there are other like 12 elite pass rushers that they have up front that they just keep rotating in. They could really tee off against this line. The Chiefs have a good run blocking line, yes, but... I really think they leave a lot to be desired in pass protection, at least especially at like tackle like Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley, I just don't think are it. However, if any quarterback could overcome that, it's going to be Mahomes. 
He's just like a wizard back there and will make at least like three crazy plays under pressure that just leave your jaw on the floor. However, I think that the Chiefs are the slightly less dominant team this year. And while they like have mightily impressed me, just what the Bills have been doing so far, it's been next level. So I think the Bills are going to be able to cover and win. Then the Cowboys at the Eagles, Eagles being six and a half point favorites. Honestly, I'm starting to get a tiny bit worried about the Eagles. I know they're the last undefeated team in the league, but that game against the Cardinals was a lot closer than it should have been for how much hype they've been getting. They have all these incredible weapons at receiver and tight end, and yet they only had 239 passing yards and zero touchdowns that came against a pretty poor Cardinals secondary that has lost some bodies already. Um, and a lot of those were coming off of screenplays, like they weren't even trying to go downfield. Hertz had a couple bad throws last week, but overall, I think he played pretty good, especially on the ground. But this offense seemed insistent on using the ground game and screen game, which were not as effective as I'm sure they were hoping they would be. For the Cowboys, it's once again going to be a Cooper Rush week, and I think that's a great move by them. If you told me that they'd be 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one after six weeks before the season, I wouldn't have believed you, even if they were doing it with Dak. And now they're doing it without Dak. I say keep him out. As long as you need to. There's no reason to rush him back as long as they're still in prime position to compete for the NFC East and definitely for wildcard berth. I don't have a ton of confidence in the Cowboys putting up a bunch of points this week. As Slay and Bradbury are either the best or second best corner duo in the league this year. TJ Edwards playing out of his mind as a top five linebacker. And this deep Eagles pass rush just is always able to generate pressure. Plus, it's not like the offense has been the reason why they have been winning games this year with them ranking 25th at 18.6 points per game. The reason why they have been winning has been Micah Parsons and this defense. Parsons is right there for defense player of the year. Right now I'm saying it's between him and Nick Bosa. Lawrence, he looks like his younger self again out there. And Lawrence Armstrong, he looks like a great number two. And he's their number three pass rusher. Diggs is playing amazingly this year outside of the last game where he was just like, all right, but... I think on the opposite side, Brown had his best game of his career. Uh, this defense could cause Jalen Hurts and the Eagles a lot of problems. And honestly, I think they could hand them their first loss. I'm going to pick the Cowboys to cover and win. And then we have the Broncos at the Chargers. The Chargers four and a half point favorites in this one. Who could have predicted that the Russell Wilson trade would go this badly? They haven't scored more than 16 points out of a 23 to 32 loss to the Raiders two weeks ago. The only offense that has scored less points per game than them is the Colts, who they just lost to. And now Russ is dealing with a shoulder injury, which is going to limit this offense even more. However, the Chargers are dealing with some injuries too. Rookie Jamari Saylor, he looked good initially stepping in for a Slater, but got pretty worked last week, albeit by Miles Garrett, but still he didn't look great. So it looks like Keenan Allen is training towards coming back though, so hopefully his addition can help like open up this passing attack more, give Herbert some more options as it's basically been the Mike Williams show. Then as I said before, I don't really expect the Broncos to score a bunch of points, but they could still win this game if their defense steps up. Saylor and Pipkins are one of the worst tactical duos in the league right now, and Baron Browning had an insane game last week, rushing opposite of Chubb. And if Allen isn't ready to go still, Sertain should have the upper hand against Williams. And honestly, at this point, I would probably give him the upper hand over Allen too. And while the Broncos offense sucks, they have had one of the best defenses in the league so far. But if they step up, they could definitely make this into more of a game than what I think it will be. But I 
don't think that they'll be able to do enough. I think the Chargers cover and win this one pretty easily. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. If you're on YouTube, leave a comment below. Let me know what your picks are. Uh, like, subscribe too. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you might be listening to this, leave a five-star review. Go tell your friends. And yeah, that's going to do it. See you all next time.